Well, greetings, everyone. Uh, this is Dr. Valerie Simpson with Reset Forever Ministries podcast. And uh, myself and Elder Daniel Simpson are here today to review lesson number six out of the book of Exodus chapter number 21 through 17. The topic is God gives the Ten Commandments. All right. And we are going to jump right into the lesson and... Um, see what we can learn on this week. So grab your pen and paper and um, come on and join us. All right. I'm going to go ahead and give it to Elder Simpson at this time. Praise the Lord, everybody. We want to thank God for this day that he's given us. God gives the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. It's just very important because last week lesson, the children of Israel, they agreed to the terms mm-hmm. that uh, Moses had told them when he went up to talk to God face to face that God would make them a, 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 a curious people. He was going to elevate them. Yes, and make them, you know, priests unto him. Sanctified to himself. Yes, and they agreed to it. Mm-hmm. So I want to start off in actually Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy 5. We'll set a foundation. We're going to read a few Verse. verses there, and then we're going to press on to the lesson. So, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 2, and you can read Valerie. Okay. Uh, the Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. Now, a covenant is agreement or contract between two people. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's going to be between God and the children of Israel that he just brought out of, the pro- mm-hmm. out of Egypt. And it's binding because it's dishonorable to um, not. Well, it's going to be binding because it's going to be, this covenant is going to as with all covenants of God is sealed in blood. Okay. It's like our covenant. The church covenant we have with God mm-hmm. is written in the blood of Jesus Christ. Correct. This covenant is God is going to make with children of Israel and it's going to be written in the blood of lambs and goats. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Bullocks. Go ahead. All right. Um, verse number three, the Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, who are all of us here alive today. So Moses was talking to the second generation. Right. That's going to go into the promised land. Mm-hmm. That this covenant that he made with our fathers, but it was also made for us. So it's going to be a generational covenant that God's going to make with them. Right, and I think it's important for those that don't know their Bible to know that he makes it clear at the end of that verse for those of us who are alive today because their parents didn't make it. Their Bible says their carcasses dropped in the wilderness uh, because of unbelief. Okay, all right, verse, so that's their children. So now, verse number four, the Lord talked with you face to face. In the mount, out of the midst of the fire. And this is what people need to understand. When God was making his covenant with the, the children of Israel in this Sunday school lesson, he talked to them face to face. They actually seen the tangible manifestation through that of fire. God, yes. Mm-hmm. That's like um, the invisible now has become visible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of like more revelation. He yes. reveals more of himself. And God could not reveal himself like this while they was in Egypt, mm-hmm. down in Gosha. Mm-hmm. They had to come to the Mount Gosha. of God. Right. That right. was Moses' assignment. Mm-hmm. And it took them three months to get there. But nonetheless, they're there. 
They sanctify themselves, they wash their clothes, and they present themselves to God at the foot of the Mount Sinai. And now God is talking to them and they can actually see present the tangible presence of God and that was the people that was the first generation that he was yeah. showing all that too and uh, okay and verse number um, five. five says I stood between the Lord and you at that time to show you the word of the Lord for ye were afraid by reason of the fire and went not up into the mountain saying so this is Moses and I'm a mediate between you and God Okay, that's the mediator. Yeah, that still, type in that uh, symbol. A type, type, shadow. A shadow of Christ. Mm -hmm. Christ stand between the church and, and God, God mm -hmm. our Heavenly Father. And he mediates this covenant that Christ now has made between us that's right. and our Father. According to Timothy chapter 2. Yeah, so Moses is a type of this. Now go on to verse 22. Okay, so we're going to drop past the uh, commandments and all that. So, okay. So verse number 22, these words the Lord spake unto all your assembly by the in the mount, out of the midst of the fire, of the cloud, and of the thick darkness, with a great voice, and he added no more. And he wrote them in two tablets of stone and delivered them unto me. So Moses is saying that when God spoke the Ten Commandments unto the children of Israel, that commandment number one, thou shalt have no other God before me. Right. He spoke it, then he, 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 wrote, it. he wrote it. And and it was God writing, and they were witnessing it as it happened. As it happened. And the scripture clearly says that they were written by the finger of God. Yes. Okay. And when we receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost, when we read the Word of God, mm -hmm. when we've been preached to and taught to, the Holy Spirit is supposed to write the word. those words, those revelations, those those mysteries of the kingdom of God is written in our hearts. That's what the Bible oh, calls it, the fleshly tables of our heart. Yes. So he does write it. We'll find that in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10. It says the law is written in their hearts. So now God is writing the law in our hearts so we can be obedient. Mm -hmm. Our obedience can come from the inner man. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because the laws and the commandments and the oracles of God is written in the hearts of the believer. So the heart being the innermost part of man. Um, it's, it's not just something that you're reading and going through the motions, but it is in your spirit. It is within you. And when something is in you, it's a part of you. So that's what the significance of him writing it on the fleshly table or tablets of our heart is. It's well, in us. Well, Jesus gave us a revelation. He says um, concerning the heart. Mm -hmm. He said everything proceeds out of the heart. Yeah, yeah. So, out of the good deeds of a man's heart. Mm -hmm. I know that he said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yes. And yeah, so that is not what goes into a man that defiles him. But it's what comes coming, out. What comes out. Because what's come out of an individual mm -hmm. is written in his heart. What's in his heart, which means that's what's a part of him. He's revealing what he really is when yeah. he's speaking out of his heart. So, a lot of times as, as believers, we have to get things out of our heart, mm -hmm. like break up that fallow ground, yeah. get mm -hmm. these stones out of our heart, mm -hmm. so the engrafted word can enter in and can grow and bear fruits of righteousness, yeah. and our Heavenly Father can be not only pleased with us, but 
well pleased. Well pleased. And I I think it would be good to add that some things get down in our heart and God has to get them out. Of course. Yeah. That's why we go to his table and we expose ourselves and we say, Lord. Communion table. Whatever you see in my heart, thoroughly examine me. Yeah. And I examine myself. And I want you to show me. I submit myself to you, Lord. You examine me and whatever in my heart. In Ezekiel, he says that he would take the stones. Stony heart. Take out the stony, stony heart, heart and give you a, give heart, you a of heart of flesh. Mm-hmm. And the reason why he wanted to give you that heart of flesh, so he can write his oracles and his laws and his commandments on the tables of our heart. And not that hard-heartedness, but that tenderness and that sensitive. Okay. So with that, we're going to get into the Sunday School lesson. Okay. Now that we lay the foundation. I just want people to, to see that this congregation that was out my, at Mount Sinai, they had an awesome manifestation of the glory of God. And we in the church, our expectations should be high when we come into the sanctuary. Absolutely. Have a great expectation that God's Chicano glory is going to be in our midst. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tangible. Not only will we see and feel his presence, but we're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders because our guys do great exploits. So it's not now with us not being in the physical sanctuary because of what's going on today. Um, even when we enter into his presence, we still should have great expectation that we're going to see, hear, and experience great things from God. And that's when we go in in our private time of prayer and our private time of worship or whatever. You know, we do the virtual worship. And so we should still have that great expectation and still see signs, miracles, and wonders. Well, Jesus said, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the world. The word is, is not bound. It's, that's true. That's we may falsehood. be bound up because of what's going on right. with this pandemic. But the, world, but the world is not bound up. Amen. God is not limited by things that's going on. In yeah, the there's world. no boundaries for his word. Absolutely. All right, we're going into the lesson now? Yes. All right, so verse number one of chapter number 20 of Exodus. All right, you want me to go ahead? All right, and God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now, the house of bondage is this. I had to look it up. Mm. Because I wanted to look it up. Mm. That's just me. The house of bondage was a system of slavery. Mm. And it was authorized and it was permitted by an indisputable authority. And we're going to read some scriptures on that because this is how the children of Israel got in this house of bondage. Because you remember when they first went to Egypt under Joseph, they was not in house of bondage. They was there in Goshen. Goshen. They were down there in that in that land that uh, Joseph had actually chose out for them. That beautiful yeah. piece of uh, uh, real estate or land that Joseph had chose out. That's where they were at. So they weren't in bondage when they, they went in there. They were really set apart with their own little village. And they was prospering mightily under Joseph. They were doing beautifully. Right. It, it goes on to say in Exodus chapter one, verse six. 
And Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation. Okay. And the children of Israel were fruitful. Mm-hmm. So they were doing well. They were fruitful, which means they were producing. Was producing. They had a lot of children. And they increased abundantly. So everything that they needed, every all the substance and um, food, everything they needed, they were just they had an abundance. And they multiplied. And they multiplied. Okay. And wax exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Yeah. They waxed exceedingly. Mighty. So, in other words, they were great in number. Yes, but ex- wax exceedingly means they was wealthy. Whatever commerce, whatever business they was that they had that they had okay. at that time in Egypt, they wax exceedingly mighty. Yeah, they had artificers, artists, and they had all kinds of, uh, everything that goes with the culture. You have your own art, you have your own music. They had commerce. You had your own clothing, your garb, your style, everything. They had all of that. They had their own business. They was doing fine. So it's not like just a bunch of sharecroppers all gathered together. No, these people were doing well. And they they was rich. And they they multiplied. And they was doing very well. Joseph had really set them up in commerce and business. Remember, Joseph died, I think he was 110. Okay. When he became prime minister of Egypt, he was 30 years old. Mm-hmm. So for those 80 years that Joseph was prime minister of Egypt, and his people came down, they, they came down to Egypt when Joseph was 40. So for those 70 years that Joseph was the ruler over Egypt, the prime minister. Yes, his people, the Hebrews, was wealthy. And then verse 8 said, Now there arose a king, a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. Now that's that's, um, Deuteronomy? No, we in Exodus 1, chapter 1, verse... Oh, Exodus 1 and 8. Okay. Yes. Okay. Because... When they first go down to Egypt, they're not in the house of bondage, but things are going to change and switch on them. Mm-hmm. That now they find themselves in slavery. So their world is upside down. Yes. Mm-hmm. In verse 9, and this is what this new king said. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Mm-hmm. When they was talking about might, they were talking about you know, an army or anything like that. They was talking about might as far as their commerce, their businesses. And they were afraid. That was always a threat. That was always a threat. Every time they would increase, then people, the uh, enemy would say something, oh my God, let's do something because they're going to overthrow us. It's just like when we read about King Hezekiah when the, when the ambassadors from Babylon came and saw all the prosperity. Baladan, yes. the son of Baladan, and then he took them and showed them all, all of the stuff. Not just the palace, but the entire um, province, everything that he had. Everything in the land, all the business, the commerce, everything. Yeah. The perfume, the gold, the spices, everything that 
the heat. Engineers, the scientists, the sorcerers, everything that they had, he showed them everything that was going on and how they operated. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to be in Babylon. But the same thing was going on, is what you're saying down here. They had all of this going on. They were a community within themselves, self-sufficient. So they didn't need to go into, you know, the palace and ask for anything. They had their own cattle. They had their own food, their own bakeries. They had their own businesses. They had their own banks and, you know, whatever, however they stored their wealth. And um, their little merchants where they bought their clothes and they bought and sold in their markets. All of that. So they were so blessed. And so now he looks upon them and he says, uh oh. A new king, a new administration. They are going to separate from us. Laws. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now they're going to, that's why it's called House of Bondage. House of Bondage because now he's going to take them into bondage. Yes. And, and they're going to go from being just free, free and we have a place to live. Prosperous. And yep. Kosher, and we can fine, just be up. here until we die. Everything is just wonderful. We're happy. Yeah. They, they never thought to go back to. The land of Eden, the land of Israel, where God has promised them. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Joseph Lord. never thought to take her back there after the after the the famine was over. Yeah. <laughs> right, because it why why? Because now they're doing well. I mean, they came out of uh, dire straits. But Joseph knew the prophecy that, or the dream that God had given him, that Abraham had, because he said, "When your father, when God visits you, take my bones and body here." Yeah, he sure did, and uh, yes. that was that vi- that vision where God said, "You're, you know, not only am I gonna bless you um, with children, Abram, because you think you're not gonna have children, but you're gonna have children. And they're gonna be in the land of bondage." He said, "But he's no," he said, "and they're gonna multiply." He said, and "Then there was going to be a problem, and there was gonna be an enemy to come." And he said, "But I'm gonna punish that. I'm gonna punish those ones." So, so Joseph knew even this that they were gonna be down there for 400 years. He knew all of that. God revealed it to him. So he said, now when you come out of here, then that's good. So they, he was letting them know, you're down here, but you're coming out. And when you come out, make sure you bring my bones out of here too. Yes. So in verse 10, mm-hmm. we still, we still chapter in Exodus one. chapter 1. Mm-hmm. This is what this new king said to his counselor, to his cabinet, okay. to his new administration. Right. He said, come on, let us deal wisely with, with them. them. Lest they multiply. And come and it comes past when there falleth out any war that they join also with our enemies and fight against us and so get them up out of the land. So we're gonna have to subdue them before this becomes a problem. Yes. Okay. This way you do it. And then verse eleven, here's is where it flips on the children of Israel in the land of Israel in Goshen. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, mm-hmm. and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities. Um, Python and uh, Ramses. Yes. But, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, grew. and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. So they were just, okay, we're, we're beating them, we're afflicting them, we're making them work, and they're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They just multiplying. Multiplying, multiplying. In verse 13, and the Egyptian made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. That was hard, difficult. Harshness. Bar, yep, yeah, kind of like that burden, that 
backbreaking burden of labor. So can you can you imagine you got a business and your business is and you're a Hebrew. Mm-hmm. You you in Say Egypt. And under Joseph uh, administration mm-hmm. you prospered. And your business was, was you was a it was legitimate. Yeah, you had a clothing store. I had a clothing you, you, store. You make clothes out of silk and, and purple and all, all of these, these beautiful fine fabrics lens, yes. and textures. Mm-hmm. And that's your business. Yeah, it's mine. And I'm doing well and it's succeeding. And you prosper, you mm-hmm. you exceed mightily. Yeah. And a new administration comes in and they take everything out of your We're shop. We're taking all of this. Mm-hmm. And then say, now you're going to have to make this stuff out of, we'll say, cotton. Or burlap or whatever. Yes. Have to make. Or when you do make stuff out of silk, it goes to the Egyptians. Yeah, process. and it has to be fashioned like this. The things yes. that we wear and the things we like. So you're going to have to change everything and do it for us. You uh, now oh, work for oh, us. Oh, and by the way, you're not getting paid. Yeah, you work for us. Matter of fact, all of your money been confiscated and you got taskmasters over you. You're not the boss anymore. These Egyptians who used to work for you, now you're working for them. And and you're not going to just put out 10 a week. You're going to put out 1,000 a week because it says it was rigorous. So it wasn't, yeah. Okay, so that was... In verse 14, and they made their life bitter. With, with hard, hard bondage. In mortar. And in brick. And in all manner of service in the field, all their service. Wherein they made them serve was, was with rigor. With rigor. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is what God is saying. I brought you out of the house of bondage. And that's what God did for us, those who are in the beloved of God. Mm-hmm. Satan was a hard taskmaster. Oh, yeah. And we wasn't. I mean, he was wringing our necks, our emotions, our anxiety. He was just driving us from one point of misery to another point of misery. And we couldn't get loose. It's just like a person that gets uh, caught up in drugs. And they're miserable. They're struggling. But they can't just walk away from it because it has them. It's putting demands on them the same way that Satan just puts bondage on us so we can't get loose. And so we needed a redeemer. Yes, we need somebody who would buy us back who would die in our stead. And that was the cost. Yes. It's the cost of life. So he said, I brought you out of the house, out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Mm-hmm. And how did God do that? He did that with the last plague. That's right. Mm-hmm. This is where the blood comes. He had to redeem them out of that slavery. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, judge Egypt. You know what? You're talking about that that plague of death of the firstborn. So that was, I mean, you know, you can say blood because he took their lives. They they left. But the only thing that spared them was again, you said it had to be this covenant had to be signed in blood, so to speak. That's why when I looked up the house of bondage, it had a key word in the definition. It had authority. Oh, yeah. That was uh, a system of slavery authorized and permitted by an undisputable authority. Authority. So God had to break that because all of 
the gods that the Egyptian have. So not only would God deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, he would judge Egypt and he would judge all of those false gods. Right, and show them who is God. Show them who is God and that those false gods didn't have any power. But didn't he start off by saying, I'm the God that brought you out of Egypt. So that was a clue right there. But for, but for 400 years, they didn't even know they didn't have the Lord. That, right. That's why they said, who is the Lord? It's by Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Oh, yeah, Egypt didn't yeah. know. And, they and, had seen his words. And the children of Israel and Gosha, they didn't know him by Lord. Well, they knew him by um, God Almighty. Yes. And then in Goshen, I think it was not until they came out when he, when they were when he said, let my people go. It wasn't until then that they became they knew him by the, his name Jehovah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now, and this is, remember, this is three months out of Egypt. So he's right. saying, "I am the Lord. I am Jehovah. I am the one that redeemed you." Yeah. And you you, you get no redemption but through some shedding of blood. So not only they had to obey the Passover uh, feast and feast the observance and, and observing of it. So. God gave Moses the revelation. I was saying the death angel going to go through Egypt. Mm-hmm. When they see the blood, they will pass over you. Yeah, this house we don't touch. Yes. See, and, and I don't know, but there's so much going on right now on this planet, in this world, even in this state. Um, I'm pleading the blood over this house every day. And over all the ones that I love, the blood of Jesus. So the same thing can be true. That when they when the enemy tries to rise up, that that blood will put up a resistance and stand there for covering. Yes, we have been redeemed by the blood. And what's, what's more precious to a, a child of God than the blood of Jesus Christ? And this was the death angel, so it was sent out by God. But even the death angel had to obey and not take the lives of anything that was under that blood. Yes, well, that's what the scripture says. It sticks in Hebrew. It says, death reigned from... Adam until, until Moses. Until Moses. At this point, now the death angel had to give reference mm-hmm. to what? To the blood. To the blood. So if the de- if the death angel that was sent out by God had to obey and give reverence to the blood, how much more anything that's not of God that tries to rise up against a blood covered individual? Yeah. That's why the blood of Jesus Christ is just. We got the revelation how powerful his blood would be when when Abel blood spoke and God gave ear to it. How much more the blood of Jesus Christ that's speaking over our life that God won't tell not only the death angel, but anything that would bring death, sickness, diseases, cancer, whatever that brings death, a slow death in your body, the blood will cover you, cry out, and God will say, not so. I mean, you know, not like saints don't die, those kind of things. But you know what? These bodies are are only for temporary anyway. The main thing is that that soul is covered. But you do plead the blood against those sicknesses. And many times people have gotten off of their deathbeds. Many times they have been, you know, brought out of intensive care units because of blood. All right. So let's go to verse 3 of the lesson. Okay, so we're going back to Exodus chapter 20. Verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's the first one. That's the first commandment. Okay. God said, I don't want, among my people, I don't want any other gods. No strange gods, no strange fire, no strange worship. 
no strange altar, mm -hmm. and definitely no strange people. Definitely, right. And isn't it, it putting somebody, putting something or someone before God when you feel too ashamed to talk about God because this is important and I don't want to be embarrassed or I don't want to seem like, you know, I'm not as um, in tune or I'm, I'm strange. But we're supposed to be a peculiar people because people, they will put their friendship with the people before God and won't talk about God. Well, what I normally do is wherever I go, where I work at, I usually... Let my light shine by I'm living. Yeah. No you cussing, don't have to no preach smoking, to them. No yeah. Then all of a sudden Somebody they is. they start noticing Take something notice. different about you. Yeah. And then I'll start giving subtle gospel message. Mm -hmm. Not nothing long, I may quote a scripture. Right, you're not gonna stand up like Stephen did and preach a whole sermon. But no. you'll just you know, something palatable. Like for instance my coworker. His wife passed away. Okay. So he liked to curse and swear. Every time we get a call on a job, he go to curse and swear. And then, so yesterday he says, "See, Dan, I'm getting like you. I didn't get upset." See, it, it's impacting him. You didn't have to preach it to him. No, you just. You but know. the example you set. Yeah. God was able to give the increase in his heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people. They do have a little God in them. They may have went to Sunday school yeah. sometime when they was young. Or he can work with their conscience even if they didn't, right? Yes, or or somebody probably had impacted their life at yeah. one time, but since they haven't been going to church for eons of years. Separated. So then now God needs to put somebody there to be a light, to be around them eight, nine, ten hours a day like I am. Draw them back in. For them to start seeing see a flicker of light yeah. in him that I used to see my grandparents or mm -hmm. my uncle or some family was passed on. I could see that in Daniel even though they're all white and all black nonetheless. Mm -hmm. But they can see that and this is what we do. And then every once in a while I'll throw scripture. Not to beat him up and run away. So I don't want to be around. He preaching to me every day I go to work. Y'all we talking about God. I don't overbear don't people be with that. Yeah. You know. But this is what God said. I don't want any other gods. Other gods. Verse 4. Thou shalt not make any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. So this is what he says. He says graven images and then he tells you what, wherever you found them, whether wherever it's a bird flying in the heavens right. or a fish in the sea See, or a man on the on on the planet on the face of the earth, nothing. Or, in, or if you see something in heaven, you get an imagination. Oh, I think angels are yeah. this, and you make statues of angels. Yeah. Any of those things, I don't want any kind of images at all. Right, right. You're erecting them and you're putting, you're giving reverence to them by putting those there. Well, even though we may believe in God, mm -hmm. our Heavenly Father, mm -hmm. and then we'll put a statue that God said, I don't want you to put anything with me. Mm -hmm. I delivered you. There was no other gods mm -hmm. that was there bringing you salvation or delivering you out of Egypt. That's right. I would not share my glory. It's God all another. by himself. And this is what the church has to remember. We got the infilling of the Holy Spirit, God dwelling on us. We don't need any other extra, extra outside sources 
What did he say? I'm, I am God and it. there's no other God with me. No. Not. In verse 5. Okay. Um, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Now, bowing down is a, is a sense not necessarily on your knees, but in, you know, there's a certain level of um, obedience that people give to other people. Well, know, in this lesson, it's images. God said, I'm jealous. This, you, you don't even find God said, I'm love. I'm jealous. He said, I'm I jealous. Am jealous. Do not give that kind of love. Do, do not give that level of reverence to anything. You know, I, there was a, a, a pastor's wife. Her name was Mabel Pullen. I remember her. She said she even was so careful to reserve the word awesome for nobody but God. I just like that. She wasn't making a law out of it or a doctrine. She said, because he alone, you know, can fulfill that word, the true sense of that word. Yeah, scripture tells us to stand in awe of him. Be at awe of what, when you get revelation of the creator, mm-hmm. and you see how this solar system works, and this world works, you're supposed to stand at awe in of awe God. Of him. And remember, Just, now remember how in the New Testament, they stood in awe of Herod, Remember? Because he had on this beautiful garb and all of that. They stood in awe of Paul and called them Jupiter. And, you know, no, don't do that. Not to people, not to images or anything else. I'm jealous at all of that. And this is what jealousy means as far as um, in my Bible dictionary. It says divine jealousy. It says it's God's envy. Mm. When he deliver you. And then you turn around and he bless you mm-hmm. and give you all your substance and then you take around and give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And you lavish your praise and your worship on that individual. When God is the one who delivered you. God is the one that and saved you. Oh, I see what you're saying. Not just the somebody else to bless somebody else, but you take it and bestow. Yes, worship. Yeah, and like praise, a, like an oblation. Yes, on something else. Mm-hmm. Just like God, they would take an offering or an oblation or a gift to God, you you take an offering or oblation or a gift to some image or, or to someone, another altar or another altar. or another strange, you know, deity. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what the children of Israel did. Well, there's a lot of that going on today. And God said, I'm jealous. And, and he tells you what he's going to do with his jealousy. Okay. Mm-hmm. He said, I'll visit the iniquities of the father upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's emotion. Jealousy is an emotion. So he's Hatred saying, is an emotion. He's saying that if you sin mm-hmm. and stir up my jealousy mm-hmm. and my wrath, mm-hmm. not only when you pass away, it's to the third, fourth generation. So the second would be your children. The third would be your grandchildren. The fourth would be your great-great-grandchildren. I'm still showing wrath on yes. those. And so that's where the fathers had eaten sour grapes and the children's Jesus, teeth Jesus. were set on edge. Yes. But now Jesus came to correct all of that. Well, yes. actually, it gets corrected. He said, no more will you have to say, know the Lord, know the Lord. I think Ezekiel says that. Because every one of them shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. Because he was going to reveal himself unto them. And then Jesus, of course. And the word, and I think that's the same passage that talks about 
because I'm going to put my word in their hearts. Well, yeah, this is that's in, in Hebrews eight ten. But this is this is the reason why Jesus died. This is this is one of the curse that was in the law that okay, he that had, had to corrected. Die for. Okay, okay. The chastisement of our iniquity. Chastisement of our peace was upon him. So yeah, so for us to have peace, there had to be some chastisement, meaning somebody had to suffer so that we could have some peace. Somebody had to take that wrath. Somebody had to take the wrath of God. So it's he's jealous. And he said, I'm going to put it on third, fourth generation. But uh, one way of looking at it was that, and not to, go, not to be too much, um, but the anger or the wrath of God was felt in the body of Jesus Christ when he was wounded, when he was smitten, when he was bruised. That was that wrath coming out in his body. And it had to satisfy God. It had to be. And that's why it pleased God to bruise him. Because when he was, he was correcting this part of the law. Okay. And some of the curses that was in Deuteronomy could now... And that's verse what? That one you just circled. That's verse 5. We okay. read it. He was correcting that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nicodemus of the Father is someone right. bearing the guilt of others. That's it. That's what okay. that... That's so I got to punish him because of what you did. Yeah. It's right there in the, in the, in the second law. And they heard God speak this audibly. They seen the fire, they heard the voice, and they seen his hand write this. So much in this lesson. There's so much can go on and on about every single verse. Well, that's why Jesus had to suffer. That's why he said, you know, um, it was like Luke said, it was his passion to go to the cross. Mm -hmm. That he could bring many sons and many daughters to the Father. And he can correct this. This old, this was written in the old covenant. Thank God we got a new covenant called Mm -hmm. the New Testament, which is in his blood. Mm -hmm. This old testament is in the blood of animals. Lambs. Yeah. Bullocks. Bullocks. And and turtle doves. This was in their blood. But thank God for the church and the blood of Jesus Christ purchased the church. Because this blood didn't have enough power in it. It it was only good for a year and at the end of that year you're just guilty all over again. Well this blood, it just covered it it didn't remove it. It just covered it so God can still deal with his people. But Mm -hmm. Christ's blood removes it. It cleanses. It cleanses. That way we can be clean vessels. He can pour his Holy Spirit in us Mm -hmm. and now we can do great exploits in the name of Jesus Christ. So, in verse 6, he goes on, on another side of this, he said, I show mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. And mercy is this. It's his reproof. When you mess up. There's mercy in there. Reproof. Mm-hmm. It's kindly. It's goodness. Mm-hmm. It's, it's God's faithfulness to you. Mm-hmm. You get favor. He's merciful. We know David got that when he took Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, and killed him when God reproved him through the prophet Nathan that came to him with a parable and showed showed David his sins. David repented in the 51th chapter of Psalms. Mm -hmm. You get compassion. These are all of the mercies God gives to them, to thousands of them that what? Love Love him. him. But fall short because of the flesh. But we love him. 
So it doesn't mean you're automatically going to be destroyed. You may have love in your heart and still fall short, and God's going to give you mercy. But you can't just you know, willfully do things and, oh, I'll get mercy from God. No, no, you can't, you can't play it like that. No, in Hebrews tells you that that's not the kind of sacrifice he offered. Yeah, for you to keep sending it going back and forth. Back yeah, and forth. Can't Hebrews like 10. That. You have to be careful. You might be, be reprobated. Yeah. See, be self-deceived. So in, in verse 5, the okay. first part of that jealousy, it deals with how God will become jealous if you go and fall yourself into idolatry. Mm-hmm. And then those iniquities that sin would but then verse 6 says we get mercy. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, new mercies, new mercies, I see. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. That was uh, in Lamentations. Lamentations. Mm-hmm. Talking about the mercies of God. They renewed every day. Yeah, Greatest thy faithfulness. We are not consumed. If you read that whole chapter, you probably end up crying. Well, that's what he did. He, Lamentation when he wept and cried over oh Jerusalem. I was, cry when I read it. While he was um, writing the book. He said, I, I remember, I remember my bitterness. I remember my gall. He said, when I think about this, I get humble. But, you know, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. And great is thy faithfulness. It's just too much in this lesson. I'm sorry. We got to keep going. Okay, verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Mm-hmm. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that take his name in vain which means you're not going to be innocent okay you what have, does he mean by taking in vain you know like taking his name and a stroke taking his name and placing it on idolatry mm-hmm. taking his name in vain and using it for something that's out of the ordinary mm-hmm. or making or swearing in his name mm-hmm. or making a vow in his name Jesus kind of cleaned that up and he says, swear not by God, nor by heaven, it's his throne. The stone and the nor earth by, is his footstool. Nor by Jerusalem, because it is great kings. Yeah. So Jesus helped us in this third, third commandment. Okay. Do not swear at all in the Lord's name, because you do not have all power that whatever you swear, you can bring it to pass. And you can't swear and make God bring something to pass that you swore about. And, you're, and you know, all of that is not going to change you, yeah. Diana. And um, taking his name in vain, just using it, you know, recklessly and nonchalant, yeah. you know, not giving reverence to it. You don't just throw his name around like that, you know, um, as if it's just, you know, the name of somebody that doesn't yeah. have. That name has so much power. And that name is, you know, there's so much invested in the name, so you have to use it with reverence. As a matter of fact, the Jewish people are careful when they even say anything. Before they even write it, they even stop and put their pen down. So they're trying to be careful, but just another reference to reverencing the name. Okay. So verse 8 said this. Verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep, to keep it, it holy. holy. Mm-hmm. What's the Sabbath day? That was that day of rest. He created the earth in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. But the sixth, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Mm-hmm. So what is the Sabbath? The Sabbath means rest. Mm-hmm. And He gave it for them. It was for them, not them for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was. Well, for Jesus them. gave us some revelation about that, and you, you're exactly right. In Saint Mark chapter three, mm-hmm. verse twenty-seven, 
Jesus said this about the Sabbath. When the Pharisees came and was questioned about why are y'all eating corn while you're walking through the field? Yeah, on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said this, Sabbath was made for, for man, mm-hmm. not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also on the Sabbath. So in other words, Sabbath was made for the man. That was the day for man was to rest, to be refreshed, to be restored, to be revived. And God would do that for the man. God did not make the Sabbath for man to play football, to go to all the ball games and and to work on the Sabbath. Yeah. And, and to, make somebody else wealthy. Yes. And no, this is your day to let your body recuperate. And your relax, spiritual man. Your spirit. To be revived. Revived, meditate. To be refreshed. Comfort. To be restored. Interact with me. Fellowship yes. with me without dis, without interruptions. How else can the spiritual man be restored but by the presence of and the power of his God. And I've set aside a whole day for you to just, just be able to do that every week so you can stay strong. So why would God do that? Number one, man was made in his image and in his likeness. Mm-hmm. He, man is the crown jewel of, of his God, creation. all of his creation. Absolutely. And he always wanted to have fellowship with man. Mm-hmm. But because it was broken, right. he because said... Because who wasn't it Adam? Every day. Every day God had communed with him. Now you broke Eve. it, so but we're still going to keep a day set aside. Set you're going to have to work and labor. Yes. You're going to earn bread by the sweat of your brow, but I'm still going to keep a day. That me and you can commune and it, fellowship. We'll do it every day, but this one day, I'm setting aside. And God is faithful. He's waiting for unfaithful man to get their act together yeah. and get in gear and get the revelation of what the Sabbath day is for. It's for the man to be re- restored, Re- a spiritual man, re-energized, re-energized. fortified. You used, used to have revivals when you came up a lot to be revived mm-hmm. by the Spirit of God and by the by the anointed Word of God. Okay, man. That's good. good. So let's finish up verse 10. All right, verse 10. But the uh, seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. And in it thou shalt not do any work. Thou shalt, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. Just verse everything just rests in eleven. For in the sixth day the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. That's right. He he consecrated it. Mm-hmm. He made he 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 set it apart. Mm-hmm. Hallowed means, and he sanctified it. Mm-hmm. And he did all of that. For man. For people that were sanctified and set apart for him. And then for people who who, who wants to be sanctified, mm-hmm. they can come and be... I like when they used to call sanctified folks back in my mom and daddy day. Mm-hmm. They, my grandmother. They, they don't use that word sanctified, but... Well, no. We sanctified. We sanctified. No, we it's a worship center. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, this, but that was the purpose of God. God mm-hmm. wanted to have him a people like Peter said. A holy nation. A royal priesthood. A peculiar people. Called out of darkness to show forth his praises. Show forth his praises. Show Mm -hmm. forth some glory. Mm -hmm. He can get guys. I got some people on earth. That will magnify me. 
and they will I glorify can, me. I They're can, not ashamed of me. Yes, and my glory can be among these folks, mm -hmm. and people can get come and get saved and get delivered and get blessed and get healed, and miracle signs of one should be among God's people. Why? Because they observe this this day, this mm -hmm. holy day, this sanctified day. So we really, we really um, forfeit a lot when we don't. Oh, yeah. We forfeit a lot when we don't take time out and spend time with God like that, just before Him in worship, before Him in peace, just relaxing, enjoying Him, commune like He did with Adam in the cool of the evening. We forfeit a lot. There's a whole lot He could have gave us, a whole lot of building up He could have done, a whole lot of revelation, a whole lot of healing. Our bodies could have avoided a whole lot of suffering and strain. Some revelations of what to do, what not to do. Yeah. What not to eat, what to you know what. You, you didn't want to even observe this. You don't. You don't even fully understand everything that's in this. There's so much in that. That word Sabbath is a powerful word. It's very powerful. In verse 12. Yeah. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now he gives this to the children. Honor means to highly esteem. Your father. Your father and your mother. Respect them. In all things, what they teach you, what examples they set before you. So parents, set good examples for your children. Because really, you used to say, uh, your children will tell on you. Whatever they do, a lot of times something they saw their parents do or heard their parents yeah. say. And another thing, the reason why I feel they should give reverence to their, their father their mm -hmm. father and their mother is because godly parents have a blessing to impart onto their children. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 49 chapter of Genesis. They should do it all the time. Mm -hmm. But when they get, out, get ready to leave this world, mm -hmm. you know, as we can see, Abraham, Isaac, mm -hmm. and Jacob gave that example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they blessed their sons. Mm -hmm. And... Speak that blessing yes. over them, and God honors it. And fathers supposed to do this, even bless their daughters also, that their Absolutely. daughters would be great, have good, great godly men, and, and have good godly children so they are to reverence and highly esteem their fathers because God has entrusted unto the fathers mm -hmm. to pass that blessing on to the children absolutely and not and only that them. I have seen um, mothers on the altar praying because they were dying from sicknesses or whatever and they were saying Lord save my husband Lord redeem my children and you know the mother went on to die but just a, a couple of years later, the husband got saved. And the children, so God's still honoring the prayers yes. and the blessings. So, you know, we need that. We need that element. We're running out of time. Okay, 13. Yes. Thou shalt not kill. I think that one's self-explanatory. Well, thou shalt not kill when he's saying as a human being because they're made in the image of God. That's right. So if you get full of wrath and you kill like Cain killed Abel. It's an offense in the highway because that person was created in God's image and God's likeness. Like, You're not just wiping somebody out that made you mad. Well, you, well, when you look at how Cain, Cain killed Abel, mm -hmm. before he, he killed that. Abel, God counseled Cain mm -hmm. and he told sure him, mm -hmm. it's lying at... It's, Crouching. Yeah, that sin, sin is crouching, crouching at the door. Yes, and we finally found out what that sin was. It was a spirit of murder because he murdered. His, he, ready he rose to up pounce and slew on his you. Brother. Yep, ready to pounce on you if you go out that door. So he just said plain, "Thou shalt not kill." Don't kill. I think when God said that, he must have Cain and Abel in mind, but that's just me. Go ahead, verse mm -hmm. fourteen. Okay, thou shalt not commit adultery. Now I looked that word up. It says a woman that breaks. Her 
wedding. Well, she breaks her vows. Okay, so the man breaks them too. But I understand that. But he got something for the man in the last verse. Oh, okay. But for right now, he just telling the woman. The woman. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, just <laughs> don't give it up. If, if you do it, he, he. But anyway, just don't break the vow. Do not. And the man to be safe. Everybody to be safe. Thou shalt not steal. Steal means to get things by deceit or secretly. Manipulation. I looked that word up mm-hmm. in my Deception. Bible dictionary. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not like you I'm steal stealing right in front of your face. No. And you can go to law and say, well, he he took it from my scene. I saw him. But no, but if you manipulated and went through all kinds of covert yeah. operations to get it, or that's stealing. Pass a law to get it, make it legal, make there it be legal. Yeah. Then he said, thou shalt still a crook in the eyes of God. Um, 16, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That's lying, but that's lying in court. To like we said before, in a legal to take setting. something from somebody illegally. Okay. And thou shalt not com- covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. wife? Thou shalt, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. So that's what he gave the man. He gave the woman one commandment: don't break your wedding vows. But he gave the man: don't mess with your neighbor's wife. Which is How? the same thing, right? Yeah, so the man, get, the man get a lot, lot on him. Okay. He, he said, don't mess the wife, the house. The maid servants. business. The men servants. The, um, or the, his, his, his properties, oxen, oxen, his ass, anything that neighbors. Right. He said, don't even yearn for to possess it or have it. Don't even lust after it. All, all the blessings that have given That's your neighbor. Don't even you have no it. business even desiring yes. that. Come to he me for what you need. Snap. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What, what is the purpose? When I'm the God that gave it to him, I can give it to you. Yes. Which was the same situation with Cain and Abel. Yes. I'm the God that blessed and accepted his his offering. I can do it for you too. That's right. And as far as the wife, mm-hmm. thou should not cover that neighbor's wife. Don't look upon Oh, the she's beautiful. Beauty. Yeah. Yes, because women... God had a special design inside women. Oh, yeah. yeah women women are, are just... Oh, they're just exquisite. Awful. Yes. Yeah. So, he tells them, don't You all aren't so bad. Thank you. And he tells the woman, about committing adultery, don't fix yourself a way where, where you can... Seduce. Her. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we know Proverbs talks about that. Okay. And definitely we're going to get into that. But let's go to Hebrews okay. chapter 8, verse 10. And we'll close it out there. Hebrews 8 and 10 is one of my, well, 8 and, Hebrews is my favorite book. Okay, 8 and 10. Got it. It goes on and says this. Let's, let's start with verse 7. 7. And then we'll read down to okay. 10. For if, the, for if that first, first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been found for a second. So if the law was good, we wouldn't be and here trying to get this it, new covenant. And we just read it in detail. Right. And this covenant was was faultless. Oh, go, go ahead. Verse okay. Eight. Okay. Verse number eight. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come and say of the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. 
All right, nine, not according to the covenant that I made with thy fathers in the day when I took them out of the hand, by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, but because they continued not in my covenant, I regarded them not, saith the Lord. See, mm -hmm. this is the covenant we just read that he made with them. Right. In the wilderness. And verse 10. Verse 10, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind. I will write them in their hearts. I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. Know the for Lord. all shall, shall know, know me from, from the least to the greatest. For I will, have, for I will be merciful, merciful to their to unrighteousness, mm -hmm. and their sins, and their iniquity, will I remember no more. And then I said, a new covenant he had made the first old, now that which decay and wax away is old already to vanish away. Wow, we should have jumped into this earlier. There's so much in this, it's unbelievable. So we got the covenant written in our hearts by the finger of God. Far better, better, far better covenant. All right, well, we better pray because we're just about out of time. And thank you for coming next week. We're going to be in another lesson. So join us again and keep us in your prayers. We certainly appreciate your participation. Elder Simpson, you want to take us out for prayer? Yes, unto him that is able to keep us from falling. To the only wise God, our Savior, be majesty, dominion, and power, both his now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. All right, next week, God confirms the covenant. All right, God bless you.